The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. On the next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on Him that God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna from the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Be seated. So wonderful to see so many of our college students and high school and junior high students that have awakened from the deep slumber. This can only mean one thing, that school is starting back. On Wednesday, many schools will start, and those of us who are parents are season of lamentation will be over. We'll be set free from the desert, we'll have found the promised land, and we'll no longer be in bondage. It's the real reason that the Psalms were written. And the college students are giving thanks too because they'll be out of the bondage of their parents. They'll be able to return to their homes. The story goes that um, uh, somewhere in the middle of the 19th century, when things were a lot more grander and opulent, that uh, a woman, a socialite, was driving her sports car and uh, quite fast uh, to get to uh, a very nice hotel for a vacation, and she pulls up in the roundabout and jumps out of the car and flips her keys to the guy right there and gives him two quarters and says, my name is Miss Baker. Make sure that my bags get to my room 
and he just sort of shrugs his shoulders and walks and, and follows behind her. Um, the man that she uh, handed her keys to and who carried her bags was Albert Einstein. <laughs> and he, he took the bags up. Sometimes um, we have this uh, moment where we realize that uh, maybe we're put on this earth sometimes to do things that we hadn't naturally intended to do or thought that we were called to. Um, just as when I was in seminary, no one ever told me that I would be a puppeteer for VBS. Um, they didn't warn me about that one. So today, uh, in John's Gospel, um, we've got these great moments with Jesus talking to the people. And you, some of you that were here a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Mark's Gospel, I talked about how it was uh, indicative of that gospel, that it's a gospel of action. It's always movement, constant movement. In fact, you're, you know, you're almost out of breath as you read it. John's gospel is marked by the fact that it has a series of miracles. Now, biblical scholars will tell you that there are seven specific miracles. I will tell you that there are six, and they're wrong. So, um, no, there's six. I think there's six. One of the ones that they count is walking on water, which is a miracle, but it's only witnessed by the disciples. The other six are things like feeding of the 5,000, healing of the blind man in Bethsaida's pool, um, the raising of Lazarus in front of the village. And so these are things that are done in front of loads of people. And, um, and then only then, after you've gotten through the end of those miracles, can you arrive at the point where you get the great thunderbolt, as it's called in John, where, where Jesus says that He and the Father are one. And at that moment, He's committed blasphemy and is sent to the cross. Um, these miracles, you know, the wedding at Cana of Galilee is the first one too, so turning water into wine, which is you know, often referred to as the Episcopal miracle. So, um, <laughs> These miracles all contain one thing, and, and that is uh, this, this constant work that's happening. And every time one of them happens, Jesus will speak to the people and they'll say, um, you know, who are you? How do you do this? And he'll say, you're, you're asking, you want a sign, but I'm not giving you a sign. Um, and that's what happens today. Juxtapose this with what we hear from Paul's letter from the Ephesians, uh, to the Ephesians this morning. When we went through the Protestant Reformation, one of the big battles that we fought was that the church had been telling us that we were justified by our works, that what we did um, would get us into heaven. Um, and so the big, you know, thing that, that uh, the shot that was heard around the world was the fact that you're not justified by your works, you're justified by grace, by Jesus Christ, faith in Him, and grace being given unto you. And, um, you know, there were many other things that, that we fought in the Reformation. Uh, for instance, the buying of indulgences so that you could buy forgiveness for future sins. This is something that I fought very hard to get back. And um, I would be glad to take your money and give you forgiveness for future sins, <laughs> as I have two kids that are going to college. So, but um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was serious about that. Uh, so, um, <laughs> um, 
So we thought this about work, about that it works, and what we realize is that it's actually true that we are saved by grace. There's no question about that. But in that grace that Jesus Christ has given us, we are called to go out on behalf of the gospel and work. In fact, once you've been found by Christ, once you've given your life in such a profound way, you're compelled to want to go out to the world and do things on behalf of the gospel. In fact, until you do them, you're almost constrained because you want to be set loose to go and do these things. Jeremiah says that there was a fire shut up in my bones, and that's what I always think of. That's what we want to do. And so, we're always caught between, well, are we justified by our works? No, but we're called to go and do these things. There's no question about it. And Paul relays to us this morning this amazing list of things that some of you were called to be apostles, some of you were called to be evangelists and preachers and teachers. And one of the mistakes that happens in the church, and it's happened over the last 2,000 years, and, and ordained people have not done anything to help stop the propagation of it, is that when people hear that reading or they read it, they think that's for the ordained people to go and be an apostle, to go and preach, to go and teach, to go and be an evangelist. That doesn't concern me. He's talking to those people. They didn't have ordained people when Paul was writing this letter, okay? Paul was an itinerant preacher who hadn't even been to seminary. Can you believe it? So, uh, they didn't have… He's talking to you. He's writing to you. All of you, through the grace that you've been given in Jesus Christ and the power of the cross, the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to you, have innately within you gifts that God has given you that you're called to use in this life. Some of you are to be preachers and teachers. Some of you have an ability to teach people, either one-on-one -on -one or in groups, about what it is that God does, or to show action in your life about who it is that God is, the power of His Son, Jesus Christ. Some of you are called to be evangelists, and I know that scares the heck out of most of you, but nevertheless, whether you know it or not, you may have within you the gift and the ability to share the Word of Jesus Christ with your neighbor that someone else doesn't have, and you never know until you try it. That's the scary part. Some of you are called to be apostles, someone who's gifted at a lot of things in administration, but you're all called to something, and we're all compelled to go out and do work on behalf of the gospel. We're all going to be constrained like a fire shut up in our bones unless we go and do it. Then we just become complacent, and it no longer seems to work for us. So, yes, there is no question about it. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no question about the fact that what happened in the cross gives us freedom and gives us the ability to not only receive grace but to extend it. And the way that we extend it is by harnessing that power that's been given to us in the Holy Spirit and going out into this world and changing it.
There's a great, it's not, it's not a cartoon, it's sort of a drawing, I guess you could call it a cartoon, but and this, uh, many of you have seen this, but I, I think that the, the message of it's very powerful. Um, there's a, a, a man sitting on a park bench, and he's a, sort of a rocker type, clad in leather, and he has, uh, you know, uh, the boots on and the whole nine yards. And Jesus is sitting next to him, and they're having a conversation. And the young man says to Jesus, so why is it that you allow uh, suffering? Why is it that you allow the death of children? Why is it that you allow wars to rage? And why is it that there's such injustice and racism and all these sorts of things? And Jesus looks at him and says, it's interesting you should ask me that. I was going to ask you the same question. We are the ones who have the power that's been given to us in the Spirit to solve the injustices of the world. It's solely within us, the power to do so. So, let the good work begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and say the words of our faith in the Nicene.